0: Yes, I have been told I have a soft voice, which shocks me, and you'll hear that as I start to share this morning. <laughs> That's the Lord. Um, I want to just open real quickly in just a quick word of prayer, and then we'll move forward with what the Lord has put on my heart. Lord, I just thank you so much that we can meet here this morning. I pray right now for each of the women here that all the things that were busy this morning, the clutter that may be in our hearts, or minds, including my own Heavenly Father, that you just have them washed down away. May we be open in our ears and our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning. We pray this, Jesus, in your precious name, amen. Am I loud enough? Okay, (laughs) good, just keep the thumbs up. Um, I wanted to welcome you and just say, it's great to be back together. And I wanted to remind us this morning of what our journey has been so far this year. We have been looking at uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. And so far we've been um, blessed by hearing about faithfulness and gentleness and peace. And this morning uh, I am bringing to you words on the fruit of the Spirit that is love. Now this fruit that the Spirit be- bears when you receive Christ as your Savior he takes all your sin and puts it on himself. He did that at the cross, and he gives you his righteousness. But he also comes to live in your heart through the Holy Spirit, and he begins to bear his fruit through you, but also wash his fruit in you from himself. And so um, it's a precious thing to be looking at. And so we're looking at love this morning, and we must start with the author, 1 John 4:16. The author of love is God that verse tells us that God is love and then just a few verses later in verse 19 we read we love because God first loved us and when I use this word love it is not as what we hear in the world but it is what God defines it as and that word is a Greek word that is agape and in a one-word definition it's selfless But I'm using Pastor Tim Keller's definition this morning, and he writes, love is meeting the needs and concerns of others before or instead of your own. Love is meeting the needs and concerns of others before or instead of your own. That's a tall order, but we have a very big God who is love. Jen Wilkins, she's a Bible writer, comments that Jesus loves you as you are, but he does not leave you as you are. That's part of that transformation. He loves you into who you will become. And so precious is this to our Heavenly Father that he gave us a whole chapter on it in 1 Corinthians 13. He starts with that chapter by opening up saying and telling us what the importance of love is. If we don't have this love washed over our hearts and flowing through us, Our motives, our thoughts, our actions really are just no more than a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And then the chapter moves on into the facets of love. And I was thinking this could make a really great Moms by Grace um, thing to look at. And I'm gonna look at a couple of the facets. The first one being love is patient. And that word is long-suffering, or it stays put. And Christian author Ruth Chow writes, this is to remain to look past the inconveniences, the faults, the unnecessary, the less than ideal, and to say with your feet planted and your heart unwavering, I'm not going anywhere. And that is a commitment we made to our marriage, isn't it? And we certainly feel that towards our little ones. Then, so that's the kind of love that bears that patience for one another. Love is also kind, and Pastor Dane Ortland says that the Greek word here, means you have a desire to do what is in your power to prevent discomfort in another. That's kind, and love bears that out. And there are many other descriptions that the author, God, tells us in that chapter, but they all have to do with a love that truly doesn't care about its own rights. It's willing to lay them aside because of its setting its affections on someone else or others. God then closes chapter 13 with the permanence of love. He writes, these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Right now, we walk in faith. I have faith that my sins are forgiven and that I'm headed to heaven and that Jesus is my savior. When I get to heaven, I will not need that faith anymore. It will be reality. We have hope. I'm aiming towards heaven. I have the hope and the sureness that God has accepted me as his daughter When I get to heaven, I won't need that anymore. It'll be face to face. I'll be in heaven. But love, for as much as God is changing me, I still have sin that warps and clouds my vision. I still don't fully grasp how much my heavenly father loves me, nor do I love as fully as I potentially could. But when I get to heaven, all that clears away, and I will see him face to face, and we will have eternity to explore and delight in the love God has for us. Jonathan Edwards, who is a Puritan pastor, wrote this. The souls of departed saints with Christ in heaven shall have Christ, as it were, unbosomed unto them, manifesting those infinite riches of love towards them that have been there from eternity. They shall eat and drink abundantly and swim in the ocean of love and be eternally swallowed up in the infinitely bright infinitely mild sweet beams of divine love ladies your Heavenly Father this morning wants you not your kids not your husband you to know above all how much he loves you in the midst of this very busy part of your journey in life he wants you to know him who is love your Heavenly Father Again, Dane Ortland writes, your growth in Christ will go no further than your settledness way down in your heart that God loves you. And again, Ruth Chow writes, the hard thing that you and I are called to do today is not the jobs we do, which seems like really, but it's not the places we go, not the people we love. It is first and foremost the hard work of turning our affections off of ourself and on to our Savior who is love. It is so worth it for me to stand here and tell you, make time to be with your heavenly daddy. In scripture, the New Testament told us that um, people could call on Jesus as, or the heavenly father as Abba, and that is an intimate term. Uh, author Susan Hunt says she calls him her heavenly daddy. She's an older woman who I love her stuff. Her, I love to read her. And that's the way God looks at you. He wants you to come to him. He has open arms for you every day, and it is your most important place to be. Who will you meet? Psalm 103. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. Psalm 16. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then especially for you, Isaiah 40. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead his nursing ewes. And I was pregnant with our first child when the Lord gave this verse to me. I was in Belgium. We were living overseas. I, to this day, am notoriously known for getting lost. And I was once again lost on my way to a, a Bible study. And I was crying because the street signs are in two languages and I spoke neither of them. And I just pulled over and just was weeping. And I had my Bible with me because I was going to a Bible study. And although this isn't the best way to study, I flipped open my Bible. and. Because he's such a kind father, this is the verse he gave me. He gently leads his nursing use. I wasn't even a mom yet, but I was pregnant, and wasn't feeling all that great either. And it was just, he wrapped his heavenly arms around my heart and said, I'm with you, I'm with you. And he's with you, each of you. God uses your time in his word. And I'm talking about his word. I love devotionals. There are excellent books that are worth reading. But if you only have time in this season of your life for one thing, make it the Bible, whether it's on your phone, whether it's in your hands, the Bible, his word, his love letter. He uses his word to remind you who he is. He uses his word to remove the logs of sin. Jesus talked about specks and logs that are still in your heart that you don't see yet, but he's faithful to show you. And he uses his word to realign my and yours ever-wandering hearts back to his truths. He desires to give you his best, and that is his wisdom, his love into your life, and then his love through your lives. Romans 8.32 tells us this. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And if you are in the Word right now and you have a place the Lord has led you to, excellent. If you're like, where do I start? And again, I was a Christian, but I hadn't really established that pattern of a daily quiet time, so I was struggling with it, and an older mom told me, go to Proverbs. It is written in 31 chapters, a chapter a month. Oh, and it's written in little short sentences. And the theme of Proverbs is wisdom. Do we not want his wisdom? And it is rich with wisdom about kids, wisdom about marriage, wisdom about God's things that he loves, things he hates, things in the world, things on your tongue. It is so full and varied. And it also has little pieces that you can use with your kids because of how God had Solomon write it it is a wonderful place to start and if you read a chapter a month you'll have got a chapter a day you'll have gotten through the whole book in a month and if you do that all through the year you'll have read god's wisdom 12 times not that the whole bible doesn't have it but that was such a precious thing that i actually used that for quite a while in my littles with the real young ones because it was an easy book to get into and quickly you were in the depths of what god had to share so just a suggestion <clears throat> and as you faithfully seek Seek to put your heart with the Lord and set your mind on the things above each day. And sometimes you're not going to get to it. I urge you to pray and ask the Lord to put it in your heart to come to him and make it a habit. It is such a worthy habit to cultivate. And I know your days are not your own and that there are times kids are sick or you have a newborn and it's hard. Don't beat yourself up. That's not what the Lord would want. But pray that the Lord will help Bring you or woo you back to his word and seek to get to that daily place wherever that might be. At times in my life, I was doing it at my 2 a.m. feeding with my little one. It's short, really short time. That's not a great time, but it was a time. It was quiet. I had a low light on. I was nursing here already. That worked for me. And then other times, it would be during their nap time. Occasionally, the night time, that's not my best time. I'm done. Um, so I strove for the morning, but The variance in this season of your life is quite okay. And the Lord was faithful to continually draw me to his word and bless me in it. Um, Charles Spurgeon wrote that nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more God will be seen in you. So you move from your time with him and then you start into your home by loving your husbands and we love our husbands when we seek to meet their needs his needs and concerns above or instead of my own in genesis 2:24 god set out the mandate for marriage a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh notice who's not mentioned here no children the lord's priority And I'm speaking to moms, and I myself am a mom. His priority is to keep your husband the priority of your heart. Time with the Lord, and then remembering your husband. When we start to have little ones, my goodness, it's so easy because there's so many demands from them. And he's grown up, right? He can take care of himself. He'll be okay. It's fine. And man, he should be helping me more, right? I'm exhausted. But we can forget who they are in our lives. They are fellow image bearers, just like we are. They are uniquely made. There is no one else like your husband. God has knit him together. And some of you are probably in terrific marriages and you know, yep, I've got that. Some of you may be in very difficult marriages and you're wondering, wow, all right, all I see right now is a lot of sin and a lot of issues. The Lord would have you come to him And first, begin to cultivate a thankful heart for the things that are in your husband that are good. Maybe today you can only think of one. Thank him for that. And seek to find a way to share that with your husband. Verbalize, thank you for whatever it is you can. And ask the Lord to show you other things that you can be thankful for. Maybe it'll be a while and it's just one. And those things that you know are seriously concerns and and you are worried or they're just difficult, you take them to your heavenly Father. None of us can be our husband's saviors. We can do no heart change. The Lord is the heart changer. And he invites you to cast, and that word means chuck, throw, cast your anxieties on him, the Lord, because he cares for you. He knows. He knows your frame he knows your husband's frame so pray for your husband pray for him in the sin bents you see the, the concerns you have uh, thank the lord for the things you can thank him for and um and then ask the lord to show you lord how can i am i doing what i can do to meet the concerns and needs of my husband in our marriage um, I quickly began to be aware that I had a terrible temper. I'm sure my parents saw it. I didn't didn't get to talk to them about it, but um, I saw it quickly. And when we had kids, I saw it even more and more. And one of the things I had was a very bad anger issue. And so I began to cry out to the Lord, first like, who is this guy you've given me? I am so, we get into fights and they're just awful. And the Lord began to say, "Well, just what I shared with you. Can you thank me for one thing? Yes, yes, I can. Can you go home today and love Him just today? That's all I'm asking. Is just today. This is the day the Lord has made. Yeah, I can do that. And that was a start. And then as we were as we were getting to anger or fights, um, they just didn't go that well. And I it hurt because I knew." I've gotta have a part in this, and the Lord's the only one that's gonna help. So I would go to his word, I'd go to him, I was reading certain things, and he began to show me my heart. I could not really love my husband until there were some logs removed in my heart. He began to show me that while we were having arguments, this is a natural thing for us, I was coming at it from my perspective, wanted it my way, my timing, and I was right. And maybe I was right. That did not mean he was not right. And that was the piece the Lord had to take out of my heart and say, you can both be right, and then you have a place of conversation. Or perhaps it's time for him, his uh, thoughts to be in charge, not just yours. That was huge. Um, he began, the Lord was very faithful, and this was searingly painful, but I'm so thankful. He was very faithful to let me hear how I sounded. My tone was so ugly. My word choice, you always, you never, none of those are true and i was very good at saying those and i would also spew i would get on well this is wrong and now this 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 and down the and it'd be like which ones he's supposed to address and he was just the lord was the one who was so faithful and opening and letting me see and then i began to be able to cry out and say give me show me the triggers what things make me go down that path where i start to get Blinded by my anger that had maybe nothing to do with my husband, and he was faithful to do that. He was faithful to help me close my mouth, focus on what really is your issue. There's not 10 things, what's the real thing going on? Huge. And he began to help me hear myself and to switch tones to where you can say the same words, but how you say them is huge. Word choice can be huge, and I have it was wonderful. And we You have to learn how to argue. And that was what we did. And as I began to do that, I saw my love for my husband grow and I saw him free to be the precious man he always was, but he also learned how to argue back too. We became so much better at that. So when you're praying, remember to pray for yourself as you're looking to meet the needs and concerns of your husband. On the flip side of that, I had the temper, but the flip side of that is someone who's a peacemaker at any cost. And some of you may be out there that like, I don't care what, as long, he may be splashing sin all over the place. As long as I stay quiet and get through this, I'm going there. If you're that person, that also is not loving your husband because what you're actually doing is you're valuing peace and lack of conflict over what may be the God's truth and that isn't loving your husband, that's enabling sin. And so you need to think through that. Your, my sanctification was in uh, a transformation in my anger and changing that. The sanctification and growth the Lord may have for you, if you're the constant peacemaker, is to be, grow in your boldness in speaking to your husband graciously and lovingly, but also truthfully. And that does take courage, and, so, and that could be very scary, but the Lord would be with you in that. I do want to just have a quick note. If there are any of you here sitting going, I have not only a, a difficult marriage, I have an abusive marriage. Please know that is not of the Lord. And if you know I am sitting in an abusive marriage, he would not have you just stay quietly in that. But we have really great godly men as elders, and you have some godly women in our church that you can go to. And if you're that woman, please go and find help and get some good counseling on what the Lord would have you do because he would not want you to be in an abusive marriage. Now, as we continue to look at loving our husbands, take a look at your home. Our Heavenly Father is a God of order. Now, I'm not asking you to be anally clean and everything's in its place at all times. That's not realistic. But if you take an honest look at your home, is it a place your husband can come home and go ah, I'm welcome here and there's a sense of order are there meals that are regularly put together maybe they're you know basic but that's okay are the toys in some sort of order are there piles all over or they do they get attended to um, if he comes home or you're in a, a state of chaos seek out some help and how you might manage that seek his help he may have some great ideas if that's the case um, but And in addition to just how the home looks, does he know that if he comes home, he will have your attention if he wants it? I'm married to a guy that when he came home and I'd ask, How was your day? Fine. Oh my gosh, really? That's all you have to say. And and he began he eventually he said, I I I don't want to relive my day. I want to be home. Oh, okay. Others of you may be married to a fellow that comes home and like, that is his catharsis. Please hear about my day, I wanna dump somewhere. And so it, does he, whatever one that is, is he welcome by you and know he'll have your heart and your ear? And you can train your kids as they get a little older to create that space where you spend time with him. Or maybe you do it after the kids go to bed, but know that he knows you're willing to listen to him and really listen to him, not like, uh uh-huh, 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 but really pay attention to him. Um, also, are you dating your husband? That is huge. Uh, I can't, I just love that. We were not near family when our kids were little. Uh, we were, didn't have a lot of money, but, and my husband was traveling pretty heavily, but we went ahead and committed to a once a month, for us, that's what we could do. If you can do more, even better. But we could do once a month, and we contracted a babysitter. She knew, and it changed, but they knew they came on this Friday of every month, and oh my gosh, it was great. Sometimes it was actually a big old fight. <laughs> but it was away from the kids. And it was <laughs> it was time to grow. Um, and it was, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. We looked forward to just being a couple. It was awesome. And when you have time or as time uh, evolves, if you can get away from an overnighter, even better. Because you can relax more and really like, this is such a great guy. And you're cultivating a relationship that God honors and loves and cherishes even more than you do. So I encourage you to do that and tuck that in your hearts. Remember, women, you, you hold your husband's heart uniquely like no one else, and he is a good gift from God. So as we continue to grow in love, how do we meet the needs and concerns of our children before or instead of our own? john wesley wrote my mother taught me more theology when i was little than i've had in all my theology books and training over the years you are of great influence in these littles lives and i don't think i'm i remember in fact i just had my grandkids out for three weeks with my daughter and son-in-law loved it but i got to be in your world for three weeks and it was really good for me because it's like my gosh this is so hard there's just no schedule and and actually she's a good mom we did have a schedule but you just you don't know what time they're actually going to get up and the arguments that go on I'm like wow so it's a very busy time so it was good for me and I'm glad because I look back over what I wrote and okay lord it's so good <laughs> um so so as we're so but you are a, a great influence in their lives and what i want to urge or just encourage you to do is remember in the busyness god's view of them psalm 127 says behold children are a gift from the lord and some days it doesn't feel like a very good gift but they are psalm 139 each one of your children is uniquely made they were woven together in your womb by your heavenly father There's a guy named Steve and He directed a movie called The War Room. Some of you may have seen it, and he wrote, the enemy wants to tell you, you're just folding another load of laundry. You're changing another dirty diaper, and you're disciplining again. But God has strategically put you where you are for such a time as this. You are in the lives of those who will carry the gospel forward. You are raising tomorrow's gospel carriers. And I remember thinking that a lot as I was raising my kids and the Lord, that was a gift from the Lord to me because it keeps you calling the holy calling it is. These are eternal beings entrusted to you. Keep your hands open with these eternal beings. As mommies, it is so easy to start to close your heart hands around them and suddenly they're under your control and you're so fearful and you don't have that control. They are given to you by the Lord. He's already numbered the hairs on their head the days of their lives. This is another piece that I had in raising my kids that was of great value. It kept me from tipping over into fear. Because what does your fear do? Nothing except rip your hands. They're the Lord's. He's got you and he's got them. As you're loving them, you want to align that with God's word. This helps you to be a student of them, and you can see their sin bents, and you can help them with those sin bents, giving them tools on how to work with them and showing them their heart need for a savior. That's a, an important thing. This season of zero to five years, you are loving them day by day, minute by minute. You are training them. I like that word, training. It includes both the discipline and the grace that goes along with godly mothering. The discipline includes punitive actions. You see in scripture it includes punishment because we are sinners and sin has painful consequences. And our children need to see this, feel it, and know it. Sin hurts. We hurt one another. And they need to understand that, and it grieves their heavenly Father, and it is not His intention to let them stay that way. We are separated from Him by our sin, but our training also needs to include grace. They, um, I, 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 we want to affirm yours and God's love for them, and I love the phrase that I was raising my own of catching them doing good. And an example was just this, when I had my grandkids out, my granddaughter's name is Madeline, and she's five, and my grandson's name is Henry, and he just turned three. So she'd gotten a little Lego set, kind of the smaller one, and she just put it together, and it was wonderful, and we put it aside, and we told Henry, "You're she'll share it with you, but right now, it's just for her, because it's special. Okay, okay. So we were playing with blocks, and, and we were building roads, and garages, and houses, and had little cars, and, All of a sudden, Madeline hopped up. She went over to that brand new set, pulled out a little character, brought it over to her three-year-old brother, and she said, here, you can play with this. And I just sat back, and I, I know it's silly, but tears filled my eyes, and I said, Madeline, you were so kind to your brother. That was a new set, and you shared it with him. What a loving thing to do. And she just beamed, and Henry popped up to find something to share with her. And it was just really, it was really precious to affirm the thing you saw God bearing out in her heart. And we can get busy in the disciplining and the busyness of our lives to forget to do that. So I encourage you to remember to affirm them with your words. Um, Deuteronomy 6 tells us, to teach our children God's words diligently. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you are loving them when you share God's truths all through the day with them. And this takes practice. Um, I was raised in a terrific home, but in honesty, they didn't talk gospel talk. We didn't really talk about the Bible. We went to church faithfully. Um, So when I became a mom, I knew I wanted to to do that i wanted to talk about god because he was such a part of my heart in life i just wanted to spill out but it felt awkward <laughs> and I, i'm not talking about spewing bible verses all day long although scripture is huge and i adore god's word but that isn't that can become legalistic and that's not what i was looking for but i was looking to do that so i asked my heavenly father help me find ways to do that and he did it, it did feel weird at first but then it got to be such a Part of me because it was flowing out of a heart that had spent time with him and wanted them to know him like driving the car here we are surrounded by amazing mountains and i've done that with my grandkids and he continues to like it just became a part of who i was and it's like look at the great mountains god put around us aren't they gorgeous and just just things like that that are truths but they aren't necessarily just a scripture verse you're quoting um ask the lord to help you do that it's who you are, and it just helps the, the reality of who God is in your family. Uh, pray for them, pray for your children. Certainly everything you have of concern, every, all your dreams for them, lay it before the Lord. Pray for them as you see their sin coming out, that you would be wise. Help their hearts, pray for their hearts that they would see it. But also pray for yourself. Pray for His wisdom. Pray for Him to allow you to hear how you sound. We want to speak the truth firmly, but we don't want to. We can tip into just becoming harsh and kind of bitter. And we want to ask the Lord to help us not get into that because it doesn't create a great atmosphere for your kids. And I'm not talking mushy, mushy, gushy all the time. No, you do have to be firm, but you can turn into harsh and unkind without meaning to and get into that habit. So that's what I'm talking about. Um, And when you are tired, when you are lacking wisdom cultivate the habit throughout the day to turn your eyes on your jesus lean you will still be tired but lean your soul into him because you have him dwelling in you he will enable you to do the next thing i want to leave you women each of you back with our heavenly father from matthew eleven twenty-nine. This is the one place Jesus opened his heart and let us know what his heart is for us. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Your heavenly father is not up there in heaven looking at you when you fail going, oh, she did it again. Your heavenly father is not wagging his finger or thinking he made a mistake. He knew you before the foundation of the world he loves you and he wants you to know that he loves you and that he is for you remember isaiah 40 he gently leads his nursing ewes. puritan pastor matthew mead wrote this love is the only attribute that god has acted out to the utmost he is tabernacle divinity in flesh He has made his soul an offering for sin and laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He has made us the righteousness of God in him. He has made you and I sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. And he's written our names in heaven. From the Old Testament all the way to the New, we see God pursuing the people he loves because because he is love and he loves each one of you so thank you